It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, frequent flyer King and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, how are you doing? Glad you could be here for the big show. This is Dan Tudor, and welcome to another edition of College Recruiting Weekly. And it's a show where we love to have you listen to and learn from some of the greatest coaches and experts around the country when it comes to recruiting, college coaching, organization, and just in general, how to be successful. And today's guest is one of those coaches. We originally were going to release this on April 1st, but uh, I'm just now getting around to it here on April 3rd, 2017, because uh, I was speaking the last several days and working at the Women's Final Four, the uh, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and what a fantastic event. Uh, I, l- I just love that group, smart coaches, motivated, hungry and they're there to learn. And I love coaches who are passionate about their career, but extends out beyond just the X's and O's because that's where it stops for a lot of coaches. So of course here we, we take great pride in helping coaches get better doing that, but it's just it was so fantastic and energizing to be around people who love what they do and want desperately to get better at it and and win and you win by getting good recruits. So uh, I want to thank them for having me, and uh, it's sort of an annual tradition right now that uh, that we've established with them. And just even though I was there for three days and I worked about 19 hours a day, and so I was exhausted, uh, and that includes some incredible basketball games that I got to go to. The Final Four this year was incredible on the women's side, as well as on the men's, but uh, I was watching the women's side, and boy, it was just, it was just a great event. But uh, suffice it to say, I was not able to muster up the energy while I was there to actually finish putting together and releasing this podcast. So it's happening today, a couple of days later. But we're, we're going to jump right into it today because the person that we're talking to, uh, if you follow Twitter, he's pretty popular on Twitter with college coaches. Uh, on Twitter, you can find him at Coach Morgan Randall, uh, and Coach Randall is—he's—he's uh, he's a little bit of a mystery. He's a recluse in some ways because he doesn't make a lot of TV media appearances. Uh, you may not be familiar with a lot of his philosophies and work, and you may not have heard of him before now. Uh, he's a coach at Radnor University. You can follow them. At, uh, on Twitter, at Radner, uh, UNIV, on Twitter. So you can get a little bit of idea where he coaches and, and his background. Uh, he has a new book out, Everything Parents Know About Coaching. And uh, so that, that you can get on, on Amazon. And he's just, he is very opinionated on Twitter, but offers a lot of advice. And it's sometimes unconventional advice. And that's why we wanted to have him on, because it's not enough just to hear let's say the the mainstream experts in coaching and you know the the Mike Shashevskys the Urban Myers of the world you really want to dig deeper and get into some of the alternative thinkers in college sports and 
Uh, Coach Randall has been coaching a long time, as you will hear in the interview. And I just wanted to, to spend some time talking to him and hopefully get some good ways to not only recruit but also organize and and develop a long, prosperous recruiting career and college coaching career. So we're going to jump into the conversation with Coach Randall. And I started by asking him, Coach, what, what do you attribute to your status as such a legendary college coach that, that a lot of people listen to, look up to, and follow in terms of advice on how to be a great college coach? L-O-A. You want to become a championship coach, you want to win a championship, you just dream big. That law of attraction will go to work for you. There's no effort, no effort required. Coach, I have seen your your picture, at least your profile picture on Twitter. You are prolific on Twitter, but by any reasonable measurement, there is not much of a, an attraction to you physically. Are you talking about from a personality or coaching standpoint? I, I, I used to be built like a, a Greek god. Now I'm just built like a god darn Greek. Which means what? How are how is the typical Greek built? I'm chi- I used to be chiseled in stone, Don. It's Dan, but I okay, it's chiseled in stone. So you were now. This is something that I don't know if a lot of people know about you. They, I think, if they follow you on Twitter at the Coach Randall, uh, they will see what kind of you know coaching philosophy you stand behind and and you know just your coaching career, little bits and pieces of it. But you as an athlete, we don't hear much about your athletic career in high school, college, and I don't even know if there was a professional aspect to it. Can you just give me a brief overview so that the people who follow you know who they're following? Would you like me to share my exploits from the gridiron? Uh, If the exploits you want to share would be relevant, I would love to hear your exploits. Well, Pop Warner was my first football coach. I don't mean I played Pop Warner. I mean Pop Warner was my football coach. And I played with Red Grange in high school. As an All-American football coach, I I was a wrestler, and I played lacrosse. Okay, so how did you make the transition from football to lacrosse, you know, successfully? Well, when football season ends, a new season starts, Dan. Right, right. So as the seasons turn, one's mind turns from football to lacrosse. So to everything, turn, 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 is what you're saying. Life is a circle. Life is a circle. Wow, we're getting philosophical very early in this, uh, in this interview. Um, I, I don't want this to be a fluff piece. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive in with a couple of questions, just because you have a very unorthodox approach uh, you are you. You say what you mean, and you mean what you say. There's no. There seems to be no filter, and that extends over to your staff. In I mean, as I look at it, because um, we got a voicemail from your publicist um, arranging. More, more with, Lowry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I didn't. I wasn't able to take the call because I'm a very busy person, but it did go to voicemail, and uh, you. Your your publicist has some very unique demands that she claims you make. I just want to play the recording really quick and see 
if you stand behind some of these demands and, and, and love to know a little bit more. So let me try to get this audio up. Well, I'm still well, back on the fact you said you're a very busy person. Uh, you have no idea. So here, oh, here, I'm sure you're busy. I'm sure you're busier than a woodpecker on Viagra in a petrified forest. I have no response to that. Um, completely stunned by that comment. Okay, here's here's the voicemail left. I just want to let the listeners listen to it and come to their own conclusions. I just want to know if this is representative of of uh, of, of Coach Randall. So then I'll come back and ask you about it and ask for your comments. Here uh, here this is. Hi, Dan. This is Laura Mori, coach of Morgan Randall's publicist. I am calling to confirm his interview for your podcast tomorrow, March 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Coach will be calling you from his rotary phone at his desk at Radnor University. And it's the coach's understanding that there's an outstanding virtual green room. He does, however, remain insistent that there be no brown M&Ms in the candy dish. He also requests that there are no K-Swiss tennis shoes worn because unfortunately it will make coach feel a little insecure about your good looks. One more thing, coach only drinks bottled tap water from the Alps, so we appreciate your cooperation in this matter and we look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. So coach, there are a lot of demands in there. And I just would love for you to kind of speak to them. Start with the brown M&Ms. What's, what is wrong with other, uh, with brown M&Ms? Well, well done. Well, well done. How you do anything is how you do everything. And, and if you can't manage to keep the brown M&Ms at a candy dish, I know I can't trust you to handle anything else. Excellence in small things is excellence in all things. Um, now, speaking of excellence, I wear and have for the last 30 years K-Swiss tennis shoes, white leather the tennis pair? shoes. The same Not pair? The same pair. I get a new, one new pair every year around Christmas time. And I'm just wondering what in the world about K-Swiss could make you uncomfortable? That's the best shoe on the planet. You get a new pair every year. What do you want? Uh, participation trophy for no, that? I'm just saying, you, you had, it, 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 according to your publicist, K Swiss tennis shoes makes you uncomfortable. I'm just wondering why that is. Why K Swiss in particular? Oh, well, they're, oh, they're, well, an they're, they're an inferior Swiss shoe. I mean, the Swiss are only known for chocolate and cheese. You, you, you shouldn't buy a sneaker from the Swiss, you got to buy a sneaker or a cleat made in America. I guess the overall tone of the publicist, it seems like you're a very demanding person now later in life. Were you that demanding as a coach? And I guess as an extension of that, was that successful? Do you, do you advise coaches to have certain demands of their, their staff and their players? If you're not, demand, if you're not demanding it, you're enabling it, you're enabling it Dan. Simple as that. I think kids today want to be held to a higher standard. They just don't know it. Everyone complains about millennials, and young kids today have changed. Kids haven't changed. Parents have changed. And and from your view, in, in well, what is your parent philosophy? That's because that's a big topic in college sports. Is how do we handle the parent? And you know, should we recruit the parent? What about the parent comes on the visit and they take control of the campus visit? So what is your how at Radnor University? When you recruit, how does that how does that uh, look? When when a parent and an athlete show up on campus, how do you treat the parent, or what do you view as the parent role in the process? Number one, we number one, we don't recruit; select. we select. Preferably, preferably, we select from orphanages. That's one. 
You don't, have to, you, you don't have to deal with the parents on a campus visit if you're recruiting. Sorry, selecting out of an orphanage. But in all seriousness, Don, I wrote a book about this whole thing. It's called Everything Parents Know About Coaching. I wrote it with uh, the legendary Dr. Chelsea Hornblower, who's the the foremost parenting expert and psychologist. And that, and, and that is a book that's available on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Or, or on the interwebs on my website, CoachMorganRandall.com. Okay, so again, again, that domain name is CoachMorganRandall.com. Okay. So we'll link to that in the in the show notes. If you're listening to this, you can just go there and, and click on it. We'll also link to uh, to the book. I, I'm curious, uh, we talk recruiting strategy here on this podcast, and it's always interesting to get different coaches' views on the right ways and the wrong ways to recruit. So let's we'll start with the right ways. What have you seen work? With this generation of athlete, in the the extraordinarily, almost unbelievably long time that you have been a college lacrosse coach. You're right. I'm so. You're old. right. I'm so old. I was a waiter at the Last Supper. Tips were lousy. Nobody Tips were lousy. Nobody could keep money in a toga. No pockets. They wore togas. At the Last Supper. At the uh-huh. Last Supper. Yep. So it was a formal dinner. More formal. They they went into their dress togas. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I learned something new every day. Okay, so... so what was the question again? What was the question again? Uh, your experience as a longtime recruiter, what is the right way for coaches to approach recruiting and, and the recruits that they want on their team in the future? This is where you start giving advice to the younger generation uh, about you know, how to be successful. I don't, number well, I don't, number one... I wouldn't use the term recruit. I would use the term select. Because I think when you recruit, there's a difference between recruiting and selecting. When you recruit, it's like a shotgun blast. You're just kind of spraying and praying, especially at the Division three level. You know, it's typically kids today being recruited by a darn computer, not a person. I believe in personal attention. I believe in selecting as opposed to just settling. Because if you take whatever you can get in the process, the recruiting process, that's all you'll ever have. Let me say that again. Let me say that again for you. If you take whatever you can get, that's all you'll ever have. We need to raise our standards, be more selective, provide more personal attention. I don't use a computer. I don't use a computer. You don't use a computer. What What do you use? A legal pad. A legal pad and a pad. That's what we like to round, that's what we like to round here. That's what we like to call Division Three letterhead. Is that a legal pad? Is that just you know, budget restrictions, or have you know, have you? I mean, I know that your publicist said you would be calling in from your rotary phone, so that kind of goes with the whole uh, uh, the whole idea that you are are old school with a capital O and a capital S. So is that is that the case? Is it budgetary, or do you just not? want to learn how to use a computer the internet is the internet is a fad i don't know if you figured that out yet it's just a fad that's 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 yesterday the internet is yesterday paper and pen paper and pen rotary phone personal home personal home visits that's that's the new technology today in college athletics. In college what's, athletics. what's old is new again, is what you're saying. 
and again and again and again and again and again in my case because well I'm so old I fart dust. Moving on, what are the wrong ways to recruit an athlete? You mentioned a couple of the right ways that you found. What are the the mistakes that you see coaches making now and that you maybe made in the past, uh, if you're capable of making mistakes? What what were those mistakes and what did you learn from them? And, and basically, the, what are the wrong ways that coaches today recruit? Well, I thought I was wrong. Well, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. But I was mistaken, Dan. Uh, so I think the wrong way that a lot of coaches recruit is they make it about playing time. It's not about playing time. We don't promise anybody anything. You got to come in, put in the work, and earn it. Freshman, sophomore, senior, doesn't matter. Graduate student, doesn't matter. You got to come in and earn whatever you get. So I'm a def- I am an absolute defender of the meritocracy, and that is how I recruit. Okay, and so d- that led to success on the field for you? Because I, I asked that because I was checking through the records. I didn't see a lot of information on Radnor University lacrosse in terms of, you know, going to, you know, postseason, regional, national stuff. So I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering how this philosophy has translated into success on the field. You're looking, uh, in, the wrong you're looking in the wrong places. Like I said, that internet, that's that's ancient history. But if, if you're insistent on looking on the interwebs, you go to radneruniversity.com. You'll find everything you need to know about my national championships and my 1,000% uh, my graduation rate. And that's the other thing. I, I did see that on your website. And coaches should visit it when they get the chance. And like I said, we'll link to it in the show notes. But 1,000%. That's 10 times 100% graduation rate. What's your secret, and exactly what does that statistic mean? Because I could make the case with a 1,000% graduation rate, there's not a lot of math graduates leaving Radnor. I'll just say we have, I'll just say we have exponential success here. So not only do they graduate, they, are, they very quickly become 10 times more successful than the average college graduate yeah you're not a statistic here we give you personal attention well maybe you are technically you're part of the 1000 percent but that's you know that's potatoes potatoes well well, i'm an old coach at a small school so i'll never be in the one percent there you go hey i was going to uh ask just with some of the the tweets and things that uh, I follow and that coaches like, and you have a lot of Twitter followers, and anybody listening to this that that doesn't follow uh, the coach Randall at um, uh, on Twitter, uh, you should. But I'm just wondering. There's a lot of, like I said at the start of the the podcast, a lot of sort of in your face comments or very bold statements. Uh, do you ever get? People that are either offended or try to, you know, try to argue with you, or oh, that's mean, coach. What? I'm just wondering what the feedback that you get that you hear from your followers. Well, Dan, I'm offended. Well, Dan, I'm offended that you're offended. That you think somebody would be offended by what I have to say on the internet? That should have come with a that should have come with a trigger warning. And so, speaking of that, one of the things I've, I've noticed off and on is. You know, sort of the the general feeling it seems like you have towards much of this generation is that they are a little bit coddled, that they aren't 
they're, they're, they're almost coming into the world too protected. Can you just sort of talk of a little bit about that? Earlier we talked about millennials and maybe some of the problems being, uh, being focused or, or you know, f as, as a result of the parents. Do you associate uh, parents as the problem with sort of coddling their kids and overprotecting their kids in this generation? We've got a real situation here with parents because, you know, this generation of millennials, the largest generation uh, on the planet right now, they're very coddled, they're very triggered by everything, they need a safe space, puppies, bubbles, uh, adult coloring books, but it's not their fault. The generation that invented those participation trophies, they, air quotes, won. They're the problem. So I'm just trying to. So I'm just trying to be the voice of reason. Right. Bring in a little sanity, a little sanity and, reality and reality check to these millennials. To these millennials. And hopefully, it, and hopefully it, it, it has a trickle-up effect with their parents. So the it's a thing, right? It's a thing, right? A trickle-up effect. Right. I've heard of the you know trickle-down theories. Not you know the trickle-up is harder because something almost would have to be upside down to make that happen. But we'll move on because I'm. I'm just, I don't want to dig too deep into that and go down that rabbit hole. But I, I'm just wondering, from a recruiting standpoint, and this is, you know, again, advice to coaches, you're very upfront with who you are, the beliefs, and your, uh, your you know, kind of what you think is wrong with this generation. Does it pay for coaches, and do you advise coaches today to be bold and to just say what you think, no matter which side, maybe of a political spectrum you fall on, or your views on on you know certain things do is it sort of the unfiltered look gets you the most attention and that's what recruits are looking for what what are your thoughts i think there i think there are way too many coaches out there right now who uh, occupy what i call the middle of the road yeah the only thing yeah the only thing you ought to find in the middle of the road are dotted lines and roadkill you want to go you want to go off and blaze your own trail and be yourself you're you're uh, What's it called? Authentic, authentic city. Authenticity. Because because uh, I kind of like liken coaching and coaching and recruiting at the collegiate level like Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins. Thirty one flavors. Thirty one flavors. Something for everybody. Something for everybody. But most of them are just variations of vanilla. That is a, I, I, you don't want to be vanilla. You want to be different. If you're not different, you're invisible. And so you bring up a really good point, and I agree wholeheartedly with you on this, that so many colleges, so many ways that they approach students, not only just from the athletic side, but just from the student side, seems to be um, like, you know, look, we're, we're, everybody can come here. This is a place for everybody, and we don't, it kind of goes to that old saying, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything, and it seems like more colleges trend towards, you know, just come one, come all, we just want to get bodies in the door. And what I hear you saying is that you've seen that be something that actually confuses or is a turnoff to this generation, and you need to be something that is, or a college or a program or a coach that that sort of paints a very different picture than what they're seeing at other, other places. Is that fair to say? I, I'm going to use a term. Term I'm going to throw a term right, out I'm, at you right now, and, and, and I want okay, you to react, okay? I'm ready. Micro, micro niche. A micro niche. Not niche. Not right. niche. Micro so give niche. me an example of a micro niche. 
for instance, if you were at Radnor University, what do you feel like Radnor University's micro niche is? We train educators. We train educators. We train educators and coaches. Right. That's 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 our niche. So if I wouldn't call us a private teachers college, but we're a private teachers college. But you wouldn't call it that. No, I would call it. Radnor no, I would call it Radnor University. Okay. Got it. But but you have a very specific. So that is the micro niche that you're talking about. Okay. Well, that, that's Correct. that's good. Correct. No, and, and so th that's the specialty. That's the focus. Kids know and parents know right away. This is for us or it's not for us. And there's no uh, there's no vanilla uh, about it. Yeah, um, you're not going yeah, to come here, and I'm not going to tell someone you can come here and. We have 50 different majors. You can major in uh, animal husbandry, uh, bowling, biotechnology, engineering, business management, sports management, recreation. It's one thing. It's one thing. It's one thing. It's it's. And we're gonna we're gonna drill down deep into right, that one right. thing. And we're going to stake our position. We're going to drive that stake in the ground. This is our position. We're not going to deviate right. from it. And I told you before, I think kids want structure. They want discipline, and they want to know where you stand on the field, off the field, in the classroom, socially, politically. They want, they want to know you. Have you ever thought of running for office? You have a lot of bold ideas that I'm not sure what party it would fall under, but you, you I mean, it seems like there is that little bit of, political uh, theater that you really uh, do a, a great job of, of, uh, of capturing and telling. I'm just wondering, have you ever considered a run for office, given that you're a, a staple in the community, you've, you've built a good reputation at Radnor, you're a legendary coach. By, by, by staple, you mean pillar. Yes, a pillar. A pillar. A pillar. Yes. Well, well fun fact. Fun fact. As an independent candidate for president this last election, the only problem was I the only problem was I couldn't get enough votes to be written in on the ballot nationwide. Nationwide, because well, I'm not for the left, I'm not wing, for the left wing, wing or the right wing, Dan. I like the whole bird. You like the whole bird? That could be a great campaign slogan. That that would be really that that'd be good. I wanted to ask you that uh, really quickly. You mentioned uh, uh, one of the books that you published uh, about parenting, which will is on your website. And what is the website again? It's Coach Morgan. It's CoachMorganRandall.com. Or if you're specifically interested in the book, we got a, uh, we got a uh, one of those one of those things called Dome Dome Main. Names. You go to, uh, you go to uh, participationtrophybooks.com. Got it. Got it. Participationtrophybooks.com. Okay, we'll we'll look into that as well. But but. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. If you're struggling with if you're struggling with understanding your role as a sports parent, I have resources for you at helicopterparentsanonymous.org. 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 So you're a coach and you're a community resource. How do you find the time to be so giving? You just give and give. I'm, I'm multifaceted. Well, there's medication that'll help that, but that's another show. I also want to, real quickly, you reminded me of a question I wanted to ask. Why do you have two first names? Your, your last name Coach is a first Morgan. name. Coach and Morgan. 
No, uh, Morgan and Randall. I never know whether to call you Randall Morgan or Morgan Randall. What do you think of, do people with two first names as a first and last name, do they typically succeed in life or are they relegated to obscure jobs and, and social disdain? I think they typically, I think they typically uh, household become household names. Harvey, Lee Harvey, Wilkes, John Wilkes, Randall. Morgan Randall. I, I, just haven't I, I just haven't killed anybody yet. Well, now they can point back to this podcast when you do and, and talk about how the signs were there. Exhibit A. Exhibit, Exhibit A. A. Um, so you had mentioned your book. Your friend, Coach John Brubaker. Uh, what a jabroni. What a jabroni that guy is. Well, he may be listening, so I don't want to, you know, you can, you can call him names if you wish. I think he's a fine human being. But he has a book coming out as well called uh, Stadium Status. Uh, and could you, you've, I, I haven't seen the book. I pre-ordered it, as every coach should, because it's going to be a good book. But you've, I'm sure, seen a copy because you two are close friends. What, what is the book all about? Give, us, give me the rundown from, from your perspective. Well, it's not all. About well, it's not all about me. That's that's the last book that he wrote. He. For this one. For this one, this, this uh, what'd you call it? Stadium. Stadium status. Status what? is the title of the book. Stadium status. He asked me to, he asked me to do one of those endorsements mm -hmm. for it for this one. So I'm, I, I've got my review copy of it right here. Let me read it to right. you. Here's what I wrote. Stadium status. Stadium status is almost as good as the book Coach Brew wrote about me. Almost. Almost. That's great. So what? What? What is the book about? I'm, I'm trying to let you help a friend promote his book, and Coach Brewbaker uh, is a friend, and I would like you to help promote his book. So what? What is it about? Why would a college coach want to order the book? I mentioned to you. I mentioned to you before, Don. It's Dan. You, know, you want to be different, or you, or whatever. For God's sake, whatever. It's Dan. You want to be different, or you, or you're going to be invisible. And one of the things I believe is, got to be different. Got to be different. And the way to be different is to get your best ideas from outside of the industry, outside of the coaching profession. You know, I go off and I, I like to learn from business leaders in my community because, like you said, I'm a pillar in the right. community. But I think Coach Brutabaker's his book is uh, a collection of great ideas from outside the industry. Uh, the one thing in the industry I did like was uh, there's a chapter in there about handwritten notes. And I cannot emphasize enough my recruiting success. Back goes right back to that handwritten note. Thousands of them. Thousands of them over the thousands. years. Thousands. And is that why your hand is now shaped like a rudimentary claw? You can't unbend the fingers is what is what I've read, and I don't know if that's true, but is that from all the handwriting, the handwritten notes? I don't know what rudimentary means, but yeah, I've got some pretty wicked carpal tunnel. Yeah. Yes. Gosh, I, no computer use, I would imagine you do. Uh, you're, it's either from it's either from it's either from uh, using my abacus to balance my budget or uh, holding a ballpoint pen. So, Coach, you had mentioned before the interview started that you wanted to throw some questions at me, and I want to leave you time to do 
that. But just really quickly, before we, we leave the topic of uh, Coach John Brubaker's book, where can they find that? That is available on Amazon, correct? The Rainforest? The Rainforest? Uh, no, the website. On the interweb. The thing that's the fad. Uh, everything's available. Yeah, everything's available on, on uh, that Amazon website. Yep. Website. Including yep. Coach Brubaker's book. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you get that on Amazon. Um, I think, the, I think the, he's got one of those interweb sites for it too. It's like Stadium, Stadium Status Book dot com. Well, it's a it's a ringing endorsement, and I appreciate how clearly you've directed the audience to purchase the book. Um, it's almost as good. It's as almost as good as the book he wrote about me. Almost. So, Coach, you had mentioned you had some questions for me. I would love to answer those. At the, well, I, let me rephrase that. I don't think I would love to answer them. I feel uh, uh, legally obligated since that was part of the terms of the agreement to interview you. So uh, I, I turn that over to you, and, and what questions would you have for me? Let me take a sip of my uh, artisanal spring tap water from the Swiss Alps that you provided me. Right. Hang on one okay. second. This is gripping, gripping radio, gripping podcast. That's lovely. You're listening to Coach, You're listening to Coach Morgan Randall, Collegiate uh, Tutor Strategies Podcast. I'm pleased to bring to you tonight a very, very special guest I have. Um, I'm not going to put him on. The I'm not going to put him on the spot like he did to me at the beginning of his podcast. But for this interview, we have a uh, kind of a lightning round of. of very intellectual, cerebral, cerebral questions uh, that, that we're going to ask the foremost recruiting expert, not just in America, but in, uh, well, I'd venture to say, North, Central, and South America, maybe even the whole globe, and, that, and that's Dan Tudor. Dan, welcome to my podcast. Excellent to be on my pod. I mean, on your podcast. Well, you've been, you've been, well, you've been, you've been a heck of a guest so far, so keep up the good work. So, question, so, I'm just, just going to start away, right sir. into this. Everybody, Everybody knows, knows your bio. You're a legend in your own mind. You're a household name, at least in your own household. So, tell us, what's the secret of recruiting? The secret of recruiting is to keep the process moving forward. Not enough coaches do that. They, they aren't actively measuring and actively trying to assess whether or not that recruit is trending towards them or away from them. And that's, that. I think at the core, that's the secret because that drives everything else. If they're trending away from a coach, then that coach will be doing certain things to, to turn that around. But they have to understand and realize it. If they are uh, trending towards that coach, then that coach usually has a completely different strategy. But where recruiting goes wrong is when coaches don't understand where the recruit is moving. Are they moving away? Or are they moving to? Excellent. Excellent. Hashtag trending. Too many coaches are one-trick ponies. I know what you mean. So shifting gears. So shifting gears. What's the secret to happiness? The secret to happiness is being content in whatever situation you happen to be in, which is an that is a learned skill. That does not come natural. Our natural tendency is to complain. It's to moan and whine and blame. And my famous, or not famous, my favorite saying about complaining is that you should never do it because half the people you tell don't care. The other half think you deserve it. 
So be content. Be whatever your situation, find something to be happy in and your days will go good, your life will go nice, and you'll probably be just as successful as you would have uh, if you would have just uh, kept quiet. Certainly more successful than if all you do is complain. Gotcha. Wherever you gotcha. Go, Wherever you go, there you are. I understand. Folks, that was the gospel according to His Holiness Dan Tuda. Uh, Dan, don't try and flatter me with this one, but who's the greatest coach of all time? The greatest coach of all time. Wow. I mean, some present company excluded. Excluded. We will, for just the sake of this conversation, exclude you. Coach Morgan, I mean Coach Randall, and I, you know some people would say uh, Herb Brooks was maybe the greatest coach because he took you know what are you Charlie what are you Charlie Adams, Adams? Yeah. come on I asked you who <laughs> some people you're no. not some people you're the Dan yeah. Tudor so you can say though that that you know that okay so let's back up and be a little bit philosoph- uh, philosophical as you would say philosophical philosophical. Thank you. You could say that you're, you know, either, there's a high school coach out there somewhere that completely turned around a life by, by treating a, uh, well, a, by being tough on a kid. Now, I'll give you an example really quickly. Uh, I, I, this isn't answer to your question, but just bear with me a minute. Really quick story. As a junior in high school, loved football, played it all my life, got up to the varsity at, uh, at my high school, and... The coach at that time was Coach Mike Keese, and he was an old-school, tough coach. And I came up as a starter from the JV, thought I was you know, pretty good, and I was the only kid on the team to not play a down during the season. And now I had then, you know, of course I wasn't happy about it, but I had two ways to, to approach it, which was complain and whine and moan, maybe quit, not play next year, or work my rear end off to prove to him and that, that, I could, uh, that I could do it. And so I chose door number two, and again, because that's sort of the way that he worked. If he thought you could be better, then he was going to not coddle you. And so I would say that, because I, I could say that that was then turned into sort of the life philosophy. And after that moment, then I never had to be you know, whatever life situation I faced, I would always relate it back to that, and it was a great learning experience. So, in my mind, he was one of the greatest coaches in in history because it affected me. That's a great story. That's a great story. You blew your mind, didn't I? I've, I've, so, I've always said high school coaches have the toughest job because, you know, when you're a college coach like me, you can go buy a quarterback or a goalie or whatever. High school coaches have to make one out of the gene pool, however bad it might be in their community. Right. Now, now, now you had now was, was Coach Mike Keese one of your mentors? Uh, he was, but, I mean, from afar. He wasn't somebody that I would go sit and listen to his life philosophies in his, in his coaching office, but from afar. Absolutely. Yeah, just to go back really quickly, because I may have uncovered something that the NCAA may need to know about. At a D3 university, you could buy players. You mentioned that. I'm just wondering, what is there something that you want to talk about or confess? Excuse me. Excuse me. 
I meant we can provide, I meant them, we with can provide them with a air quotes, air quotes leadership, leadership grant for being leaders, for being leaders okay. at the high school. I just wanted to make sure I understood. So I misunderstood how Radnor University's scholarship system would... And I misremembered. Okay. So continue with the interview. I hope that answered your question. So, yeah, we were talking about your mentor. and Well, I have an EpiPen. My mentor gave it to me when he was dying. It seemed real important to him that I have it. That's sad on so many levels, and... Uh, I think we should just move on. Okay. Do you own a pair okay. Of do you own a pair of cleats, and if so, what I kind? I don't own a pair of cleats. Have no use for them at this point. I knew there's something. I knew there's something. But I do have now, along with my new pair of K-Swiss. What happens is when I buy the K-Swiss, then the, the old pair becomes sort of a yard work pair. So there is a pair. The ninth, the the, uh, the 2016 K-Swiss are in the garage on the shoe rack. So anything I need to do outside, I use the older pair. Genius. Yeah. Genius. That way the new pair stays bright and white. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Now, more importantly, now, how, more many importantly how many Fox 40 whistles are you currently wearing? Uh, I'm currently wearing none, again, because I have no immediate use for them. I'm in a, I'm in a hotel room at the Final Four, so a whistle would seem to be out of place in this setting. You gotta have a whistle. You gotta have a whistle for what purpose? And a clipboard. And a clipboard. I have a I have a notepad and I have a laptop. I think that'd be the clipboard. Okay, Next question. Go ahead. You keep digressing. You keep digress. You keep digressing on me. Thank you. How many more championships? How many more championships will Coach Morgan Randall win? Are you still coaching? Hashtag. Obviously. Hashtag. Obviously. Oh, I thought you were retired. Um. What'd you call me? What'd you call Nothing. me? Uh, how many how many more championships? Since I haven't seen any recent news on postseason play or any kind of crawl on ESPN about Radnor University lacrosse, I'm going to have to say none. But it's not to say that you haven't had a fantastic career because I think you have. Obviously, obviously. Do you remember? That's why we're do you remember here. where you were? In 1952, Coach Morgan when Coach Morgan Randall won the national championship. I was 15 years uh, beyond being born, so I don't remember. But I, I do have access to a local library and a microfiche machine, and I'll, I'll look that up when I get home. On a scale, one, on a scale one to ten, how good looking are you? Me? Oh, for, for a guy that's 50 years old, I'd say I'm a solid seven. 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 Yeah, that leaves a little room for improvement, uh, but you know, I I I look at a lot of my peers and I think, all right, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. I've got most of my hair left. I'm in reasonably good shape. He's grading on a curve. He's grading on a curve, folks. Don't let him fool you. Next question. Don. Next question, Don. What would you change, would you change about yourself if you could? Um. Probably uh, replace the little bit of hair that I've lost. That's because uh, I saw a picture of myself in college. I had beautiful, lush hair. It was just amazing, and uh, so I would I would do that. But you know, again, it goes back to the contentment thing. I'm very content with who I am. I like what I do. I like the people I get to to 
impact and work with. I like working with coaches. Um, like my kids, love my wife, uh, enjoy going out to get a hamburger or see a movie. And, you know, so it's, what, again, what is there to complain about? We live in the greatest country in the world. We're working in college athletics. You know, what, you look at all the other situations in the world, all the other people that would truly need or want to change their life. And most of us listening to this, we've got it, we've got it made. I mean, everybody makes different amounts of money. That's not what it's about. It's about are you doing what you love? Are you impacting people, forming good relationships with people? And so I don't know, I wouldn't change I wouldn't change a thing. And and to go one step further, coach. You always do. You always do. You ask that question. I wouldn't change any mistakes I've made in the past, because anytime you make a mistake, that is a fantastic learning tool. That's the best way you learn so you can't have this mistake-free life where nothing ever goes wrong or nothing ever sad happens you have to you have to experience that because then it makes the happy times you get to appreciate that more i recently i recently learned that myself on your uh, on your podcast with that tim hart harshack tim harshaw jim harshaw yes tim tim harshaw tim tim harshaw yep He's a wrestler. I like wrestlers. I always recruited wrestlers. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard uh, one of the episodes, I want to say it's episode 17, you go back dantutor.com, look on the blog and go to the podcast link. You can find it. Or if you subscribe, of course, you can look back. Jim Harshaw's interview was incredible. And his whole podcast theme is success through failure. So he is fascinated with the idea of how you succeed by failing and just that's a great resource to listen to whose interview whose interview is this right now sorry i'm sorry coach it's yours don't don't hijack don't hijack my interview sorry getting back on subject growing up up, who was your hero hero? i mean besides me my hero you mean sort of uh like a comic book hero or just a a personal hero Personal. Personal. Um, but your life, but your life, your life is kind of like a, a, a comic book. So sure. either one. Uh, growing up, my favorite cartoon hero, comic book hero, uh, from Super Friends. Remember the Saturday morning cartoon Super Friends? Wonder Twin Powers. Wonder Activate. Twin Powers activate. My favorite uh, superhero was Aquaman, which makes no sense uh, because. I didn't really like to swim, and I wasn't a particularly good swimmer. But maybe that's why I liked him, because he had the powers that I didn't. Uh, My favorite baseball player growing up, because a lot of times for a kid, your baseball player is your hero, or a sports figure is a hero. And mine was Terry Poole, right fielder for the Houston Astros. And as a kid, I had three autographed pictures from Terry Poole of the Houston Astros. I have no idea. I have no idea who that is. Like the number six hitter for. I have no idea why I liked him, but that was that was my player. So, so I mean, that might tell you a little bit about just that. You know, maybe I can be satisfied and content now because really, you know, is Aquaman ever going to disappoint you? No, he's sort of he's sort of bland. Is Terry Poole of the Houston Astros going to disappoint you? No, number six batter. The right fielder, you know, he, nothing. So, I mean, I sort of set myself up for, for uh, 
you know, contentment. I wasn't going to get the thrill, but I wasn't going to be disappointed either. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, Rebotham absolutely right. Cool. And just because, just because I'm paranoid, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean the world isn't out to get me, Dan. That's what part of the police report I have in my hand says. So that's you're you're absolutely right. What's your kryptonite? What's your kryptonite? Superhero. Oh, kryptonite. Oh boy, my kryptonite is usually food. I I am a foodie. I love to eat. And so the best chocolate cake in the world that I can taste right now is at Jake's Tex-Mex Cafe in Bakersfield, California, my old hometown. Uh, you, you won't even, that's just, you, you can't even imagine how good that chocolate cake is. Um, yeah, we call that, uh, we call that a snack accident. Yeah, that is. That's a noun. That's when you eat an entire bag or box or something by mistake. Snacks. That's in it. not a snacks. That is, you you wait in line for a piece of their cake, uh, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. In fact, you could go on to Google and just type in Jake's Tex-Mex cake, and you'll get everything from pictures to reviews to the recipe. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. So you can you can read that. Um, that would be. That would probably be my my kryptonite. You know, I'm also a sucker for going to a baseball game. Even I don't care who the team is, going to a baseball game, one of the newer stadiums, and just hanging out and uh, and watching a game. I love baseball in the summer. Love it. There's nothing finer. There's nothing finer. Nothing finer than a ballpark dog and sunshine. That's sunshine. Right. That's right. You know, I once invited John Brubaker, your friend, to a Boston Red Sox game, but then I had to uh, withdraw that offer to give it to a, a coach I was visiting, and he hasn't let me forget it. So I think he likes baseball, too. He really wanted to go to that game. He's kind of petty. He's kind of petty like that. Yeah. Well, your, your words, not yeah. mine. Yeah. Sorry, and I got sidetracked a little bit, Absolutely. so you can continue with the interview. Sidetracked again. Hijacking, hijacking my interview. So when, you get nervous, so when you get nervous under pressure, what's your go-to relaxation technique? I get nervous under pressure. Um, I don't get nervous under pressure, and that's the truth. You don't go to a you shrink. don't go to a shrink. Oh, no, I don't go to a shrink. No, nope. I I, I go to a shrink. I walk out of my shrink's office twice a week, I and I don't understand. I'm always the same height. Yeah, I I don't uh, I I don't do that. Not that that's bad, because you know, if you need if you need professional help, you get it. But like I said, I'm pretty comfortable in my own my own skin, and I like generally who I am. And you know, so it's you know again it goes back to that contentment. When you're content, lots of stuff ends up going right in life. I like that. I like look that. at you. I mean, you've been at Radnor University for sixty some years coaching, so obviously you were content with that job and that community and that, you know, that situation. So, you know, kudos to you. Leave, how do you leave somewhere that names a stadium after you and puts up a statue? I'll I'll let you know when I uh, when I achieve that kind of stadium status. Hashtag John Brubaker. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. I can't do that. No. No, what I meant, no, what I meant was you can't leave somewhere that names a stadium after you and builds a statue. Oh, right. 
Well, you, you, it's bad you karma. could if you would be more content somewhere else. I just blew your mind, didn't I? Again. Mind blown. Mind yeah. blown. So, so Don, do you, Don, do you, do you have a nickname and how'd you get it? Uh, my nickname in high school was Flamingo Legs. Flamingo Legs. Flamingo Legs. Because I when I going back to the pool, when I would try to do a handstand in the pool, my I'm I'm tall, so I had these wildly gangly legs. You know, still trying to figure out my coordination. And uh, one of my my uh, friends at the time, uh, Janet, gave me uh, the name Flamingo Legs. And you have to be. Let me it's just funny, say. It's funny you mention that. Say, as a as a teenage boy in high school, you have to be very, very confident in who you are to not let that get to you. And I was. It's funny you mention. It's funny you mention that. Because earlier today, earlier today, Mrs. Coach Randall had to tell me to stop, had to tell me to stop acting like a flamingo. So you know what? So you know what? I had to put my foot. I down. had to put my foot down. That's humor. A little bit. A little I bit. just want to let the audience know. What? What? When's the last? Time when's the last time you set foot in a public in a public library? Oh, a public library. Um, public library. I mean, if I went in, I don't even think I've gone into one by accident since probably college, and maybe not even since high school. That's actually not true. Let me rephrase that. When I was first married, my wife had a part-time job at a library, so that would have been the last time that I went into a library. These, these, are, these are great questions, by the way. I think the audience is learning. they got two more. Two more. Two more. Okay. got two more. If you, ask one if you could ask one person one question, who and what would it be? Uh, who would it be? I would probably ask Oh boy. One person, one question. Uh, well, there's some questions I'd like to ask your publicist right now, but I'm going to not include her in this. Let me come back to that one. I, you ask me your second one, and I'll try to come back to end the show with that question. How do you maintain, How do you maintain your youthful appearance? Uh, regular exercise, uh, moderate Jake's Cake consumption. Um, and I have a. Do you have those Jane Fonda videos? That's irrelevant. That, that I shouldn't. I said shouldn't regular be, exercise. Yeah, I shouldn't be judged for anything, any type of video exercise routine that I do in the privacy of my own home. That is uh, that really that that went outside the the boundaries of what we agreed to prior to the interview. Uh, I'm sorry, I triggered, I'm sorry I triggered you. You you did, and I need I I need a safe space. Although you're, we're actually doing this interview remotely, so you're not even in the room, so I can't even you know get more more space than I have right now. So here's how I'd answer the question about the who would I you know the one question I'd ask and who I would ask it to. This goes to coaches because I would want coaches to ask the question of their recruit. Do you feel like you'd be ready to verbally commit to my school. When, when they, as a coach, want the commitment, I was just talking about this earlier with a set of coaches at the Women's Final Four, where I am speaking, and 
that, that was that is the most important question you can ask, and I would ask it of the prospect. And you know, I just personally, I don't have a lot of questions in life. I'm good. I mean, I, you know, there's stuff that I I don't get, don't understand. There's stuff that I do and that I'm privy to, and that's good. But I don't I don't wrestle with the great unknowns because then you just end up wasting so much time you don't enjoy today. You're right. There's a lot of you're right. There's a lot of hashtag fake news, alternative facts out there. I don't blame you. Well, there's just a lot of attention. You, you got to be careful with where you devote time. And that that goes for coaches too. I mean, you. I, I'm sure you've seen coaches ruin their careers by devoting time to meaningless stuff, in you know, in all different areas of their daily jobs. And I don't want to do that. I mean, life life is too short. You got to get your stuff done, and do it well, and then you know, take time to you know, live life to the fullest. Speaking of time, speaking of time, it's our uh, most precious and depreciating asset, and I've taken up a lot of your time with uh, this interview. I want to thank you for joining me on uh, the Coach Morgan Randall Tutor Collegiate Strategies podcast. Uh, you've been a fantastic guest, Dan, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime real soon. Coach, happy April first, and uh, any any last parting words for uh, for the people that are listening? Because you've been a great guest as well, and I want to thank you for your time. I got a tip for you. I got a tip for you, and then I have words of wisdom. My tip is never wear headphones while you're vacuuming. Because right before our interview, I just finished the whole house before I realized the vacuum wasn't plugged in. But my words of wisdom for you would be, coaches, defense wins games. But the offense determines by how much. Got to tell you the truth, I'm kind of glad that that's over. But I do thank Coach Morgan Randall for joining us. You can go to his website, CoachMorganRandall.com, for all of his information or if you want his book. And we appreciate it anytime you go over to DanTutor.com. Lots of free resources there for college recruiters. Love to help you. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.